So one of the things that I'm interested in is the trap of language. So as we start to study something, as we start to get involved in a new culture, as we start to learn about something intellectually, it's really enticing to get trapped in the language element. So the intellectualizing of this thing, of the content, whatever that might be. So we then go and talk to more people about it. We write about it. We share the book, the podcast, whatever it was that inspired this in the first place, the first thing we learned about it. And we generally get trapped in the language. Of course, the continuation of this or the move beyond this is into the implementation or the action, which is really where the growth lies because, of course, this is where we have to end up moving through that fear, the resistance, whatever it may be, to put this stuff into place. So we see this come up, of course, in all sorts of domains. It could be your exercise or movement journal. It could be uh, creating the ultimate relationship where you you know, feel the way that exactly how you want to feel. Uh, or it could be in your business or your project. We have this vision, this idea of where we want to go. But in all of those three domains and every other domain, of course, the missing link then is that action. And the action happens really without words. So this concept of the language of growth, of transformation, is something that I'm interested in a lot. Um, especially as the personal development or the growth sort of concept is so huge in the culture and in our you know, society at large, which is a cool thing. Uh, I've been more and more interested in how this hang up can kind of happen and the workarounds, what can we do? You know, we have things like feedback. We have things like um, creating a, you know, a, a community, a positive conspiracy kind of community, a group of people to help elevate each other and look out for each other and call each other out on this sort of BS kind of thing. So we've got these tools. And on this episode, I was able to sit down with uh, Lockie and Simon from Virtus uh, down in the Mornington Peninsula. And I kind of sprung this podcast on them. Uh, it was a little bit impromptu. We went out for some food, went out for some coffee and then set up in the gym. Now, this was after a big couple of days. I was a little bit tired. I do apologize. I was a little bit sluggish on some of the questions. And then the rain came in and gifted us with its presence three quarters of the way through, which added a little bit of uh, texture to the sound, shall we say. But anyway, it's a good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, feel free to forward along. That's the best thing you can do. Uh, you're listening to John Marsh, and this is the Access Potential podcast with Lockie and Simon from Virtus Performance. So uh, down here, Virtus today, Mornington Peninsula in Melbourne, 48 hours. Really pumped to be able to see you guys. Um, thanks for having me. What's you know what's been happening? What what have you been up to? Plenty, mm. plenty. Lots of lots of change. Lots of lots of shifts lately. Yeah, it's been a big uh, six months. I think like personally for me and for you and for the business as well. Um, Lots of changes going through the business, kind of wrapping up this year, uh, shifting gears in how we 
I guess, present our um, service and what we do here at Virtus, as well as sort of setting plans or setting up the processes for the future. There's, um, there's a lot I want to talk about and as I said before, I came down here with no uh, context for this episode. But when we had, we popped out for lunch earlier, got some food, got a smoothie, coffee, so that's why we're ready to go. But one thing popped into mind, you guys are talking about the uh, mentorship program. So one thing uh, for the people listening, I'm really trying to figure out how to bring more value into the episodes. And one thing that resonated with me was we were talking a little bit about bringing people into this mentorship program and, um, and as, a, as a way for them to develop in their craft and make them potentially more powerful at their job and help with that transformation. But I guess before we get to that, can you give us some context on what Virtus is relative, what have you created here relative to a gym? You know, like tell us a little bit about the, the business, who's it for, what's it for, what are you guys about, and then I think this will lead into this mentorship piece because I think it's really cool. It's a big question. It's a, it's a hard question to answer, and it's a question that probably has shifted, the answer's probably shifted over the last four years since we, since we opened. We first opened wanting to be a high performance facility where aspiring athletes could come and get the best of the best from a coaching experience. Yeah. And that's still underlying, that's, that's still the underlying message of what we're trying to do, but the scope shifted from athletes to people. And we just want, we want to create a space and a community of people that can come here to improve and to grow, to expand their capacities. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, What's that actually look like day by day? Day to day, the training is, I guess, the the main uh, main point of contact for us. Yeah. But the training kind of opens the door for us to have a bigger conversation. Yeah. And to to dive in into the like the pressure points or the areas of people's lives that they can lean on lean to to create the biggest change. One thing that comes to mind with me a lot, because a lot of people I talk to are doing one thing and then maybe shifting into something else. They've, they've been working in one area and then possibly seeing another area that's not more or less powerful, but something else that they want to bring into. And I think a lot of people can resonate with this because it's kind of like why a lot of us would switch careers is maybe we see more potential in something else or want to explore something else. Um, the one thing that comes to mind is like you mentioned this word growth and I'd love for you guys to dive into because to me it's kind of we could be talking about getting healthy we could talk, be talking about growing your business we could be talking about like relationships there's this um, there's this kind of process of friction and tension and then moving through that and awareness like is it all the same thing like talk break it down a little bit you know how did that come from that shift yeah we're training people to okay, this is a bigger conversation, and we're starting the conversation with training. Yeah. What did that look like for you? Why did that shift come? And yeah, maybe start from that. Yeah, I mean, for me, coming into the business, um, coming to Virtus, I guess halfway through its existence, I came in after about 18 months, 
uh, where it's already this established thing mm-hmm. that has has life that's been brought to it by members and by the coaches and everyone who walks in the doors. So for me, seeing it evolve from uh, like an athletic direction or athletic, let's grow our capacity to do these sports or um, athletic endeavors into a place where people can come in to grow and evolve however they, for whatever reason they've come in. Uh, I think growth, people have a desire to grow and they have this like ambition to transcend what they are now. So they have this like dissatisfaction with where they might be now. And then they want to, like I guess where we come in is uh, be this like um, environment or facilitate their growth with the, like through fitness Mm -hmm. or exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, So people can come to us for different reasons, but the, uh, I guess it's just the environment that we provide. I think training, like we all understand, it's a great. I think it's a great microcosm for life. Yeah. Like if we can understand stress adaptation, we can shift it to business, to family, to career, to social. It doesn't really matter if we know that to get a specific adaptation, we need to give a specific stressor, and then we just shift it around whatever we want to achieve, whatever we want to do. And we break it down, we plan it out, we figure out, get a really clear idea of the point where we're actually trying to head. We get a really clear idea of the point we are now and we set a plan to to get there and we execute and f- figure it out along the way. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind. One was I interviewed a guy, uh, Joseph, who he created this thing called Fighting Monkey. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. And so his whole life is movement at the core like that's the whole thing right and in the in the episode i kind of asked him about that i was like how come you've got such an energy for life because he's it's like he's been struck by lightning this dude even how he replies to emails <laughs> so they had how you got the zest right i love it what are you doing and he's like and he said which i loved was that look a lot of people in the movement in the training space will be like this is life moving it. You have to do this in order to experience life and to grow and to become aware. And this is like this subculture thing where it's like, if you're not moving in infinite complexity, you don't get it. And he's like, that's bullshit. You know, I know people who were poets who didn't move much at all and they're fully experiencing life. Um, but you know, I guess the thing I wanted to, to talk about is like, I think we are in agreement that there is something when you come back to the body and it's something we start moving and it can be a great entry point but i wanted to ask you guys because i know you're into this concept of growth and learning what what's going on here in the culture what are we seeing why is there such a big group that comes from the training space into i guess personal development or into other areas of growth like do you do you see that as well does that resonate say the last 10 years or whatever it definitely does i think training and improving your health and fitness and strength and whatever it may be your performance it creates momentum for the other aspects of your life that you might want to improve yeah i I never really thought i would get into business but i was like an athlete growing up I like to still think of myself as an athlete occasionally. <laughs> but that I think a lot of those things 
created a, a mindset or a an operating system that allowed me to create something from a business perspective. Yeah. And anything we do, whether it be training, business, whether it be the job you had when you were 15, I think we can look at all of the steps we've taken and utilize each of the transferable skills we learn from that to do the next thing. Yeah. So I think that growth conversation, if we can understand growth from a yeah, from really simple aspect, which is what I said before about stress and response, we can find where, the, where our edges are and work towards those edges to mm. grow that capacity. Yeah, totally. It's like approaching anything that we do, whether it's business or uh, health or your relationships with a, like a mindset of growth, of if we like tip into this thing and we explore the edges, that we can grow it into something that's remarkable. It can or, always be better. Yeah. Um, and like the definition of a growth mindset is like exploring things that you think you know might be true, but um, like how might I be wrong about this? Or like how might uh, like I have this potential for growth or like the um, potential for growth? So how, how can I explore that, that possibility? Mm. There's something I see happen sometimes with business owners when we're talking about like creation. You're creating, uh, putting yourself out there, like starting to articulate your points of view, your thoughts, whatever it is. And I actually wrote about it today and I was thinking of it as this thing called the, like a creator's paradox, where like what you just said, Simon, where there's always potential for growth or we can always do things better. What's the gap like? Because that kind of also is like, what do I do if I can do it better? Do you, do you find it hard for people to get started? Like in the physical space, does that resonate as well? Knowing that, you know what I mean? It's like not what it could be. And yeah. so we kind of freeze a little bit. I think people get stuck with, like they know something's got to change, but they don't know what it is or like how to like move, take that first step or move that first piece. Or that mindset of, oh, I can't come to the gym because I need to get fitter first. Yeah. Which is yeah. <laughs> mind blowing, but it's almost, we, we have like a lot of rules and a lot of like language we use here and one of them is just show up. And I think if you show up, then you're gonna do the work. How much, I guess, energy or resources you put into that work can be determined when you, when you start doing it. But if you show up, then you've gotten started and at least you've taken the first step forward. So it does, it can, uh, you know, allow you to avoid that paralysis by analysis or that, um, that, yeah, perfectionism that mm. can happen. Yeah, interesting. What, um, I guess one of the big pieces, you know, that we've spoken about before, Simon, that maybe you could expand on here is, uh, it seems like this self-awareness piece, right? Like if I'm trying to grow, it's all well and good, but if I'm beating my head against the table, it's like I need someone maybe to check me. Oh. We've talked about it like feedback, we've talked about it, um, you know, in, in terms of reflection, you know, maybe solo or feedback with another person. Um, I'm wanting to kind of bring, I guess, specific value as much as possible on the podcast. So I guess what my question might be is like, do you use uh, specific, like with this focus on growth, and I know you want to talk about it with the mentorship and how you infuse it, because this is a real thing, 
right? I think the risk that we run in a lot of the conversations is growth. Right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Everyone's talking, like everyone, everyone loves language. That. Everyone loves talking about it. And yeah. I, like, I guess my question is like, if you've got a business, you've got like family, you've got, you know, partners building these things, like, let's maybe pick one. Let's pick the feedback. Like, what are the actual ways, like, you guys would talk to each other. How do you bring this in? Maybe that can give us some like some context. Not that it's going to be the same for everyone. Yeah. Um, but does anything does anything resonate there? Yeah. I mean, like the feedback stuff we've spoken about a lot, uh, and it's something that we've started to install here at Virtus within the our coaching team and within, I guess that's the lateral. Part, and then there's the vertical part is between members and our coaches. So, like, how can we, uh, like, generously give feedback to each other and be in a um, a mindset or a state of state of being that we are actively seeking that as well? So, uh, the mentorship is probably a good example. It's something that we've we're in the process of building or rebuilding at the moment. Uh, it's a space for uh, aspiring coaches to come in, um, whether they're allied health professionals, whether they're students, whether they're already coaching, uh, a space for them to come in and develop their capacity. Uh, so a part of that is a, a project uh, where they uh, put all the things that they've been learning from a personal, professional, business development point of view uh, to culminate in this one thing. So a part of that, a big part of that, will be feedback. Mm-hmm in getting regular feedback from coaches, from members, in how they can improve this thing. Uh, And I think having that empathy um, piece from people who you're asking feedback from uh, is super important. Mm. Understanding someone's worldview and how to give feedback that will be useful. I think it's, like, it's, it's something that we're playing with at the moment. I think it's a really interesting shift, that conversation from, okay, like we're talking about it to actually actioning it and, mm, yep. and knowing that we're making a difference. Like We say we want to move the needle in all these different areas, but if we can't prove it, then we're not, we can't know if we're moving the needle or not. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so it's that finding those ideally objective measures to be able to measure improvement, whether it be clients lifting data or, or it might be their readiness, how they're feeling each day, or it might be from a coaching perspective, we've tried to create some objective feedback measures around coaching and coaching performance. Yeah. Um, just in the, with, we use the term performance bandwidth. So we've got a performance bandwidth that we need people to execute whatever they're doing within. Yeah. Um, knowing what outside the bandwidth looks like and knowing what smack bang in the middle of the bandwidth looks like, we can effectively rate someone's, whether it be lift, someone's coaching ability or yeah. any of those th- those things. And if we can see that those numbers are, or however we're measuring it are improving, yeah. then we know they're moving the needle and we know we're doing our job. Yeah. Um, whether it's yeah, mentor or um, member, if we can show them this is how you've improved, this is how you've gotten better, yeah. um, then we can assume that what we're doing is making a difference. Yeah. I love that because what kind of comes to mind for me is, you know, really we've got the problem is our own delusion. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I show up and yeah, X, Y, Z, this is what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And in my reality, it might be true, but it's sounding like you have a bandwidth to actually be able to say, well, 
you know, John, really when we look at this, your cup's over here and you're telling me that it's here. So you're not full of shit, but we may need to reconsider what you're saying. Yeah. Move yeah. the goalposts a little bit. Yeah, or like, you know, I think this is, I don't know how this come, came to be with us as a culture. Um, where the feedback on what's actually happening is so hard. Yeah. Because it's hard. I was going to say, it's super tough. Like super we received, um, in our last team meeting, we got feedback from clients based yeah. on our coaching as individuals. And it's sometimes a hard pill to swallow when you get feedback on something that you think you've been doing really well at, but the, the needle's over here a little bit. So it's like, how, what, what am I not doing that... Um, is causing someone to look at me this way mm -hmm. or what, what am I doing uh, and then based on that information you've got to you can choose whether or not you want to make the change mm. it's a really interesting it's almost like a paradox where we don't like feedback uh, inherently we don't like feedback we can I can say yeah negative, I love feedback and negative you, feedback yeah <laughs> if you give yeah if you give me negative feedback I'm like the first initial response is that like tingle in the back of your neck, it's that yeah. like why are you having a go at me? But we know that feedback, negative feedback, if positioned the right way is good for us because it's gonna grow our capacity and it's gonna make us better. So it's, mm. it's that ability to be able to, okay, take it in, assess it, assess it objectively, discuss it with someone and then you know, work out what the action points are to, to improve that area. Yeah. And if we can do that often and we can, uh, Logan talks about trust and willingness. If we have trust and willingness between people or between a team, mm. then everyone's in there for, in it for the right reasons, wanting to see each other improve. Mm. It's like it's much easier to take negative feedback from someone who has skin in the game than it is someone you know off the street. Yeah. Where do you uh, like when we're talking about this feedback? We all, we need to choose who we ask for feedback from. Right. Do you think there's like a something that qualifies someone to give that feedback? Like for example, this podcast, like we're putting it out to the world. Whose feedback do we listen to? I'll ask Mum if she likes it. I reckon she's. Well, to to me, I think 100% it matters. And I think it matters based on who you're seeking to serve, what you're trying to do. If I'm trying to create a podcast for, um, you know, chefs, this thing sucks. This is yeah. like, right? It's no, Miss the boat. Yeah, or, you know, um, the elderly who, you know what I mean, like who are um, retired and are looking for lifestyle changes, this is probably not going to hit the mark. Yeah. So I think 100%, but then I think the bit you touched on is we get to choose whether or not we take that on board. Um, because a lot of the times, if you're on a mission and a purpose and you have, you know, reflection pieces in place, you you also may not choose to take it on board too. So I think it's not, it's not super easy all the time because the person who, you know, are you, are you over indexing on that person who gave you feedback? Are you using, like, are you really relying on their judgment? You know, what's that worth to you? Um, one of the things that comes to mind is community. I think back in the day, we had community, uh, Say we had a collective of 10, 12 people. If I come storming into the room with some haywire idea, the group, the net, catches that. It's an anomaly, and usually I'm going to be brought into alignment by the group. 
But I feel like one of the things that's happened is now we have the community in the group and we can come in hot with some crazy idea and people don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So that goes right through the gap. And then I can behave in this way that's not in alignment for two years. No one wants to hurt my feelings. The vision of the business suffers and then all of a sudden we've got a problem. So I think it's a balance, you know, it's not super easy. Yeah, that, that group consciousness thing is incredibly interesting because we can effectively alienate ourselves from the group by our behavior, which is potentially a, a negative thing, but if our behavior is positive in nature and, and, allowing us to, and allowing us to grow our capacity, then potentially moving away from the status quo is going to be best in the long term. Yeah, uh, that just reminded me of Seth Godin when he says, um, like the, the that we're all weird and that we like our uh, society is now moving away from the mainstream uh, points of view or products or ideas to these like niche uh, niche audiences or niche these remarkable ideas that wouldn't have been accepted years ago. Mm. Uh, so everything's kind of like the bell curve is flattening, where everything is weird, but it's also, that's the new normal. Um, so you can come into this community or this group with this radical idea, but all of a sudden it's not as radical mm. because everything's shifting a little bit. The culture's shifting away from that normal. Do you think it has, has to, in some way, still align with the overarching values of the group? I think it does. I think it depends what group you go into. Uh, of course, like if you like with this podcast, if we go into a group that isn't at least somewhat aligned with our values or the change, then it's not going to be accepted. But if we, so it's almost like it's too radical. But if it's sort of on the edge of that, where it might be accepted. Yeah, I think if it's too radical, then it's almost like find your own group or start your own group, start your yeah. own movement. Whereas if it's within, still within the bounds of what's valued within that community, yeah, it, it can add to the the momentum of the thing. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it kind of reminds me of like you. To me, it's like it's like you know you need space for innovation, but you also have standards. It's yeah. like, this yeah. is how we show up, we bring in this attitude, this is how we... But create ideas, and if they suck, that's cool, keep creating ideas. Yeah. Because we want that happening as well. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you guys, like, if you're trying to create, if you are creating this culture of excellence, or we're looking to create that growth or perpetuate it through the community, is there things that you found to be helpful personally to get that from others? So like, do I walk in and, and be like, you know, uh, I was super, I felt super out of line when we had lunch there, you know, what did you guys think? Like, is there a container or a dialogue or a way that you guys have found to be helpful to, to I guess, grind it out? Like to, to is it the team meeting? Is there court, like, how does that look? Or is it, you know, is that, does that resonate? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, like our community that we've built here are based on 
like um, rituals or these things that we do when we come in. So, like an easy example is when people come in for class or for their coaching, like everyone gets a fist bump or a high five or something. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of tells us that they're in alignment with, I guess, what we're trying to do, maybe. Uh, well, that's like, uh, that's how we show each other that we are um, together. Yeah. Uh, like the team meetings and um, that sort of thing, I guess, are like internal mechanisms or rituals that we have. And they, I think they're super important. And it's something that we've tried to really dial in um, in our team, our coaching team and admin team. So like we have a, a weekly huddle where every, every Tuesday, 12.30, we jump on a Zoom call, we touch base to see how everyone's doing, uh, like what's going on in your world, what's, uh, what's uh, stopping you, or what's, what are you having trouble with, how can we help? Yeah. And then I guess the cadence of meetings go from like weekly to monthly to quarterly, and then day to day, of course, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's super powerful just for people listening there's a clear difference and i'm not one to to love over meetings a lot of meetings waste a lot of time yeah but at the same time i personally am all in on culture because if you've got an mvp who's killing the game but they come in and they suck <laughs> um, in terms of bad mouthing somebody else or yeah. not pulling their weight uh that's a really hard one to get over and ends up causing issues so what i'm getting at is i think what I've seen, especially for um, kind of smaller and medium-sized businesses, is that commitment to like a weekly thing, like this is a tangible thing, like if you meet weekly, to at least touch at a human level with your staff, things will be better. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Like have you tried, have you let that go and seen what happens? Or we've, yeah, we've, I tried, feel a bunch of we've tried, almost tried too many things with meetings, <laughs> yeah. and we've, we've had, done lots of meetings, we've done few meetings, but I think the, the magic happens with more touch points, not in a formal structure. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, Coop and I spend a lot of time together just talking about what's working, what's not. Uh, and I feel as though most of our uh, ideas, or most of the times where we actually move the needle, it's just from informal, hey, what about this? Mm-hmm. So the more often we can do that, then the more often that we can, you know, iron out the, the kinks in an idea or we can get to that next level of innovation. I think it's important to have the structured weekly or monthly meetings, however anyone does it. The more touch points we have, uh, and if, they're, if they relate back into rituals, and like even for our, our members, when we, you know, most mornings at 7.15, we'll be sitting, in, sitting at a table around, uh, talking about what, the day with coffees in our hands, um, driving that sense of community outside the gym. Yeah. So that, that's a touch point and a ritual that we have most days. Uh, it doesn't have to be all of us every day, but those things from a team perspective and from a membership perspective just grows the, the culture and the community. And I know that if I didn't rock up for a week, then that culture wouldn't change. Yeah. I think the, um, having those touch points as well is, to bring it back around, provides more opportunity to ask for and give feedback. Uh, you and I share ideas a lot and we're able to give feedback to one another more readily than if we were to do it on a weekly basis. So it's almost unfamiliar 
if, if we met only weekly, then it would be unfamiliar to be almost giving ideas to one another to get the feedback from. Yeah. So it's just this... And the feedback almost holds more weight when it comes uh, organically. When, you know, if you have a meeting that you know, you've waited three days to bring up something that potentially should have been a five-minute conversation three days earlier, yeah. then then everything keeps moving forward, moving forward rather than yeah. having to stop to wait for that actual meeting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like... Um, a kind of sense is this there's this kind of funny shift where like in case a everyone's can be coming from a place of love and treating each other very well and no feedback can be taking place and then we we touch the toe in the water of feedback and it feels a little like acidic so there's a little bit of hesitation and then there's this full-on feedback culture where on the outside it could look a little bit like caustic, like a bit full-on. But it's kind of like what I'm picking up is it's like, actually, this one over here is just non-confrontation and it's completely kind of a front. Whereas when you have the place that is abundant, is a place of love, and you've got radical feedback, and you adapt the nervous system to it, then you finally get to something where people really do care about each other, and they're willing to tell the people the thing that they need to hear to get better in a nice space. Yeah, it gets easier. Right? Yeah. We become, rather than being conditioned to not getting feedback, we become more ready and willing to ask for it and then receive it and act on it. Yeah. It's an incredibly hard thing to build. Mm. It's something that we've, like anyone, definitely struggled with. And we're not talking from the finish line at all. Yeah. Like there's, like there's always going to be that resistance between staff or between friends or between partners or, or whatever that you've got to work on breaking down. And you know, whether it's an awareness play from both ends or whether it's a putting your ego on the hook for a minute or or just trying to be trying to be open enough to share your perspective because that's it like any feedback that we give comes from our perspective and our jaded point of view so it's all it's all opinion anyway yes it's subjective so i guess that's why those objective feedback measures that we've been able to create in certain aspects and there's still a lot of different areas of the business that we don't have objective measures for yeah because we haven't created them yet or we haven't spent the time creating them yet but if we can match up the, the subjective opinion feedback or the, the perception feedback with the objective measures, and if both of them are telling the same story, then you almost get you doubly, um, doubly sure that you're probably going to give the right information mm. and receive the right information. So it just adds weight to it. Mm. Yeah, so one of the things I like about that is it's like, can you, can you exude this way of being that really shows versus tells that you're coming from a good place? Like you're, you're all about that other person, allowing you to therefore um, bring the feedback kind of, kind of radically and quickly. You know, because there's less risk of, hey, this dude's an asshole. No, he, he, he loves me. He's actually here for me. He's saying something here that's my ego doesn't like, but it's like something to tune into. 
Uh, I want to talk about um, competition. Bit of a pivot. Um, firstly, we were talking at the meal about the fact that there's tons of gyms in the same place. And on one side, you've got this idea where if you know, you're buying flowers for someone, it helps to buy them from a florist where there's lots of flowers because that's where the market is. It's like we go in here to, so it, it, it's, it's a place to go where we know that this is kind of the thing that we do here. We go to gyms and there's lots of gyms. Um, but then on the other side, obviously you've got, you know, the issue of, of um, well, the person could go somewhere else. Could, uh, and we spoke a little bit about this, but what do you, you know, really for anyone listening, anything you could possibly want to do, you could say the market's too crowded and there's too much going on. What are the kind of, some of the things that you guys really love and double down on? Like some of the essence, how do you, how do you manage that? You mentioned there's a few gyms even on the same street. Uh, how do you manage that? How do you sleep at night with that? <laughs> like, what are you doubling down on? What's, how does that resonate with you? I sleep like a baby. <laughs> um, I think, I just think of just blue ocean strategy when you're talking along those lines is just what is the one, one or two things that you do better than anyone else? Yeah. And we're, re we're really trying to double down and it's probably been the, the way from the start, but now we're, I guess, a little bit more aware of it. We're just really doubling down on being the best, giving the best coaching possible. Yeah. Um, but on the flip, like on the flip side, but I guess the, the secondary part of that is in a community where people want to be. So it's coaching a community, I guess, are our two things that we want to do better than anyone else in the world. And we can't measure that. We, like we can't you know, go to a gym in Brazil and say that this one, this community is pretty good, maybe it's top two. So, yeah. so like that's a subjective measure as well. But if we do the things that we think can move the needle in that aspect, then we can subjectively say, yeah, I think we're getting better. I think we're improving. Yeah, I agree. I, th I was actually thinking about this a day or two ago about like the fitness industry and how I almost see us as like separate to that. Yes, we do fitness. Like that's our thing. That's why we are here because we are making fit, healthy humans. But uh, I think we're almost separate from that because it's that's the excuse to get people in. Mm. But the real value is in the community part is in the uh, creating a space for people to express themselves and to uh, feel like they belong to something bigger. We've clocked fitness. We've transcended the fitness. We've transcended fitness. <laughs> but uh, some people just want to come in and squat and yeah. run and lift and jump and awesome. all that kind of stuff. So it, it need, there needs to be almost layers within the, the yeah. thing. Like our, our three pillars, I guess, uh, the coaching performance part um, education and community yeah and if we can provide all three of those through various mediums i guess uh like the mentorship and coaching strength and conditioning and doing having social events then we are providing something that isn't just bound to fitness yeah um but i mean it's it's still difficult because there's a lot of there's a lot of competition and gyms out there. I just don't see us as almost playing that game. Like we're not playing to be the uh, we're not playing 
the price game on memberships. Yeah. Um, we're playing the game of how can we add the most amount of value. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, <clears throat> one of the, you know, one of the things that reminds me of is this concept of the narrative of the of the person, right? Like, if you start playing the price game and you're the cheapest, I'm the person going to the cheapest gym. And that's who I become by engaging in your strategy. If you double down on community and coaching, I'm the person that's taught impeccable movement from this gym. So the transformation that I get as the member, completely different. And then the cool thing for you is, that transformation shapes the people and you get to work with that person who's transformed in that way. So what I love about it, I guess, is you're, through the way that you're running the business, the way you create your touch points, the way you probably do online community as well, you're creating the people who you'd love to spend time with. Yeah. So you kind of get to double down on your process. Whereas sometimes a business will create transformation of person that you know, they don't really want to work with. So it's a, it's a recoil. Does that resonate? Like, do you guys have, totally. you know, people you've worked with for a long time that is probably borders on friendships as well because you start to really love these people and, yeah. you know. My, my core group of friends and like the people I spend the most time with are staff and members of this place. Yeah. And it's always, it's always like an interesting one because like you do your PT course or you do your um, like Bachelor of Exercise Science or whatever it is and like, oh, you, you know, you don't want to be too friendly with with the people you spend time with but my view of things is almost the complete opposite is like one of the reasons why this place exists is because I want to do cool things with cool people yeah and selfishly I just want cool people to join the gym yeah. <laughs> because I get to hang out with them and I get to learn off them and I get to interact with them on a you know bi-weekly almost daily basis and we've got this melting pot of different humans all doing different things that we can connect with on a day-to-day basis. Like you got one one class, like this morning's class, you've got people that have uh, ran businesses, own businesses, you've got teachers, you've got you know, emergency service workers, you've got tradies, you know, you've got this melting pot of people who, they're here because they want to improve. Yeah. So that's a big box tick, but they're also here because they love being here and they like being around the people that are here. So. Yeah, that, that friendship, uh, member friendship line blurs real quick, um, which is a great thing and it's a, it can be a, a tough thing at times. Mm. Yeah, one thing I'd love to ask you about, either, whoever wants to jump in, uh, only because this is something which has been something we've covered recently in, in APA and also something I spoke to John O'Franz about, and if you saw that episode, but this concept of boundaries. And the reason why I keep coming back to, I kind of talk about the same stuff all the time, but it's like, <laughs> it's like a lot of people are creating a business and it's really hard. Like it's, people don't, don't realize the amount of work that goes into it, whether you're in year one or year four or whatever. Uh, and you know, you mentioned one there around the, how we relate with the people who are in as part of the business. Is there anything else that comes to mind that's super challenging in a people-facing business like this where you're really integrating into the lives of people that you serve? 
that comes to mind in terms of boundaries and anything you've learned or, or, or are challenged by? I think it's really challenging having, uh, like relating to the standard. Like we want to do things at a standard. We want to coach at this level um, and interact and communicate with people at this level. And when the boundaries start to blur, we start to kind of drop below that standard, I think. Uh, not always, but it's easy to just relax uh, and sort of take the easier option. Mm. Where if we have rid more uh, rigid boundaries around the way that we coach and we have these systems and processes that we follow, which we know will give the, the best experience possible, uh, if we maintain those rigid boundaries, then it becomes, it's better. Mm. Uh, in saying that, sometimes we need to relax the boundaries in order to connect with the, pe the person that we're trying to serve. Sometimes if we, I think we approach too rigid, then we're kind of leaving stuff at the table. Yeah, one thing jumps to mind in that is the perception of that you might be being a bit of a hard ass by sticking to the boundary actually can maintain the quality yep. in the service which is serving in the long run. Yeah, kind of goes back to the feedback piece too. Yeah, um, one that comes to mind for me is being late. Like for me, yep. it just kills me when people are late all the time. Mm. Like once in a while, something happens. Okay, but what happens is sometimes we get the perception. Well, I need to spend a little more time with you guys here. Uh, because I want to give you my time and be generous. So I'm going to relax that boundary and stay here a little longer. Problem is the next person in line with wherever I'm going and then pretty soon I've got this soft fluffy existence that's really hard to serve, to serve anyone. Yeah. Um, whereas I, it's the, the kindest thing that we can do is it? I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Time's up. Yeah. See you next time. It's lovely that, you know. Is anything, I mean, when you think about boundaries, does anything pop up for you? Yeah, the, the boundaries one's interesting because I, I think straight to, okay, well, when do I stop thinking about work or when do I stop, when do I turn the phone off and stop re replying to, to our members or, or when do I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, I, early on, there were no boundaries yeah. because it was... It was the, I need to work hard, I need to do, give as much as, of myself as possible to this thing. But then you get, I think you get better in business at identifying which boundaries are worth, worth crossing every now and again as well. Yeah. Like, there's certain members that if I get a message from them at 9 o'clock at night, I'm going to be messaging them back straight away because of might be what's going on externally or um, you know the, the benefit of being friends with a lot of them is I understand innately what's going on in their lives so if they ask for help or if they reach out some of them you go I'll get back to you tomorrow yeah other ones you're like okay they need me at the moment um, and that goes both ways yeah so I know that there's certain members that I can lean on um, external to this place yeah. that they will help me with something that's going on in my world so it comes back to the it's almost like a needs needs versus wants thing from a boundaries point of view if someone needs me then the boundary doesn't really matter yeah it almost sounds too like this could be almost an agreement that a lot of people don't sense they're entering into when they go into the exercise industry yeah and it's kind of like the agreement is this isn't you know this is just what's coming to mind for me here 
could be completely off target, <laughs> but it feels like the agreement is actually this isn't a technical industry. Yes, you need this expertise, you need the skill set, you need top 5%, whatever. This is a human thing, and by agreeing to jump into that, like that's not always going to play in the four walls of the building, and it's not always going to be 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Like, where is say you're going yeah. to work in uh, as a as a um, let's say you know uh, and even an artist, but say someone at an ice cream shop or something like any any like a lot of different businesses have different things, right? But do you see that as like you know from when you came out and started in this industry, started to serve people versus how you serve them now? Would you say that that's been a shift in terms of like what you see the industry as? I think it's, there's a shift, definitely a shift in awareness around what when you when you can push do that extra for someone and when you need to pull back. Yeah. Um, the more aware you become around that the more you know okay is, is this going to help me fill my cup as well if I'm filling someone else's cup because like I'm I'm like a weird mix of like extrovert and introvert like I I will very rarely say no to hanging out with someone or, or getting together with with a group of people and doing something fun because I like to do cool things with cool people but at the same time if I don't get my you know head in a book head in my diary me time um, I'm a, not a, not a, I'm not the best of myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's definitely shifted. Um, but in saying that, having this place, like we signed up for that. Yeah. Um, being a coach in somewhere like this, where you know we can't have it both ways, where we can't say, oh, I want to build community, I want to build connection, I want to create a a group of people that can all rely on each other, and then. And have all my weekends yeah. off. And then and have all the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. My don't like leaving. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm going to... Like, you need to set those boundaries. So if, you know, if I'm going on holiday with um, with KP and my partner for a few days, then I want to be able to go and enjoy that, knowing that I'm not going to have to pick up the phone every 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's give and take. Do you think for people who, just to bring this back around, for people who are starting their business or you know maybe they're one or two years in do you think people generally uh, are underestimating that amount of I guess it's really also the amount of work because when you think about it there's so much work that happens and then you have these two time constraints like when you want to go to sleep and when you're <laughs> going to wake up so the boundaries start getting crossed yeah uh, was this more, you know, was this more than what you expected or are you, when you started out you're like, yeah, I'm going to run a gym and I know pretty much what I'm getting myself into. Do you think people are kind of, um, is, is it generally more work or more of that boundary crossing getting used to than what you think? I don't think anyone knows what they're getting themselves into when they do something like this. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm about to experience it for real, but it's kind of the same as when you, when you have a kid, you, you never ex know what you're getting yourself into and, until you're experiencing it. So there's got to be that element of experience that comes with um, knowing. Like we need to experience things and then we can start to link the dots and start to go, okay, well now I understand what I, what I actually got myself into. Yeah. Uh, it's almost the same, you can probably think the same thing around the podcasting and creating all this content. It's, you almost get to a point where you're like, okay, I need to go all in or I need to back out. 
Uh, yeah, per personally, I think that that's the only way. Yeah. Experiential learning. Yeah. And I think that 90% of people, and I say this from a place of love, wanting everyone to start their own business, because <laughs> I think it's a great learning growth tool, 90% don't expect the are underestimating how much work and how long it will take and the consistency. Yeah. yeah. It's probably so, not a bad thing because then we go in a little ignorant and actually go, okay, I've got to do the work now. As long as you've got the backing, the, yeah. the um, you know, strong back, open heart. It's like as long as the strong back's there mm -hmm. because the compassion, the, the ability to be flexible and adapt, the open, the open heart, the open like soft front. But like you, you couldn't just stop. <laughs> you know, you had to, like the first year, You've committed to this thing. Yeah, and it's not just like a year and yep. you're sorted. It keeps going. Um, and, I, you know, for the people on the podcast can't see this, but you're in a bricks and mortar space. I'm looking up and obviously there's something happened with the council and you guys have had to <laughs> rip out half of the gym. Like, it doesn't just stop. You know? We adapt. We adapt. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like uh, evolution. You face a stress adaptation again. Like, you start on the journey of this thing and you have all these plans but then you get hit with something and you've got to kind of change course a little bit um, but you're still moving forward and you've still got a bit of momentum behind you and as long as you show up and keep pitching in then yeah. it'll uh, keep moving. It, yeah. it ebbs and flows. Like anyone that has opened, started a business can probably attest to this. There's days where you're like, this is the best decision I've ever made. Like, Today's one of those days for me. Like, This is so much fun. Uh, having this conversation here like we had a great great session this morning um connecting with plenty of cool people today tomorrow i'll probably look at the bank account and see the bills i've got to pay and kind of go what the fuck do i do this for like yeah. it's it's that balance between and like any anything worthwhile is going to hurt yeah um there's there's going to be some some sacrifice but yeah. if you can at regular intervals like make sure that you're sane and check in and see if, yeah. if everything's going okay then you can appreciate it i think there's you know what occurs to me there is like sometimes because i've had this recently too uh you know i talk about all the time the resistance imposter syndrome whatever whatever the thing is of the day that pops into your head that stops you from doing your thing uh or just a bad day whatever yeah. and the other day i was talking to someone's like Fuck, I just, today, like, imposter syndrome is just there. I was just like, who, who am I to write, write this out? But it's like, it's the flip where when you love the fact that imposter syndrome came, and then you get to keep going anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, in a kind of sick way, like, like <laughs> you loving the fact that that's all had to be ripped down, <laughs> like, whatever, like, for the, for the fact that you're adapting yeah. and growing and learning something yeah. through it. And it sounds easy um it's kind of like loving the process like whatever yeah. you know yeah i think um uh being like facing that resistance and recognizing it for what it is mm -hmm. which is just like this thing that will always show up um but having the awareness to recognize it see it for what it is and know that you just got to move through that tension to keep moving forward um, and like moving through that fear thing as well and recognizing it as like this is part of the process this is a green light to that it's worth pursuing yeah yeah one of the biggest realization i don't know if it's a realization or learning point that i've had personally and in relation to this stuff is just that 
there's no like magical time where everything's going to be perfect. There's always going to be resistance and there's always going to be something uh, like some sort of roadblock in your way. Some, sometimes the roadblock's a little, sometimes they're you know, in the shape of a room that should be upstairs that's going to take six months longer than you would have liked and going to cost twice as much. But knowing that I can still appreciate this place for what it is and the people that are in it and what I do have, um, that's been a massive aspect of my growth and my learning because I think we inherently know that mm. but being able to believe it and know that you genuinely believe it that's it's been a massive shift yeah yeah one thing I want to get into before we do run out of time oh, that's good. Uh, is this concept of skin in the game and we're sitting in the business at the moment and so you've got a rent to pay. Oh yeah. And you do on day one. And I've had that two different bricks and mortar businesses and it's not super fun, right? <laughs> but your back's against a wall and it really does spark some action. My question is <clears throat> one, like what comes to mind when you think about that? But then also two is, you know, have you found anything helpful it's like someone trained. They don't have to come in and train. There's no real, life was okay, and then they can get fitter and stronger if they want. They don't really have to. How do you create the positive pressure? How do you spark, you know, if we're talking about growth, we're talking about action, a lot of people listening got an idea, got something they want to create, but I'm not an owner, I'm not a, there's no skin in the game. Well, okay, let's, like, what do we do? How does that sit with you? Anything come to mind? Uh, something that just came up was like with clients or members who come in, there's no, they don't have a, there's not a gun to their head saying come into the gym and train. Hopefully not. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> not from us anyway. <laughs> but like it's this internal uh, or intrinsic uh, desire for change. Yeah. And I guess for us, it's, um, like yes, there's these extrinsic things that we've signed up for, like the rent and for wages. Now that we're building this team, uh, but there's this, there's still this intrinsic desire to create the change we want to see in our culture and our community, and uh, it starts by us taking action and having the there's this urgency to doing something. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a juice, like is the juice worth the squeeze kind of conversation for me, like whenever we put skin in the game, like we put one of, I think we, I can think of three, one of three things in, we put either our time, our money, or our energy, one of those three resources, or all three of those resources, or a mix of the three, if we put that into something, then we expect some sort of return. Mm -hmm. And that return is usually one of those three things. Yeah. It's like we, we get ourselves some time back because we've created something that can look after itself or operate itself, or we get some, some money back by being able to pay ourselves a wage business-wise, or we, we get energy from doing the thing. Yeah. So I've, like you guys talk about energy generation a lot. I find that I feel incredibly energized when I'm in this environment with the people I get to spend the time with. You know what, I've got, I haven't put it out yet, but I'll, when I go on planes, I write copy. Like yeah. I just get notes out and I just write, <laughs> like 
Woody about quotes for a post, like that's just one of my posts. I got two hours, I, I just stuck. <laughs> and one was like, uh, basically when you're on purpose, you're energy generating. Yeah. Like coming back to the thing that you love and it's like a huge piece. You can't get the urgency, necessity, all of these things without some form of direction, even short term. Um, but it sounds like that's kind of the bit you're talking about. Like when I'm in here and I'm in the process of the thing I'm building and I love, I'm not so tired. Like I'm, I'm good to go. And yeah, I could sleep a little more. But it's like, um, you know, when, and conversely, when you're lost, you're tired. Like it's yeah. like I've got to go to yeah. sleep. Yeah. It's just arriving with intent to, um, to create this thing. And like we're doing it for a reason to. Uh, improve people's lives and create this space for people and create high functioning uh, humans. Uh, so when we are low on energy, it helps to remember that, I guess, to come back to our reason for being or our, uh, the source of why we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, and then it sparks passion or sparks action to do more. There's always more that we can be doing to push the needle, to move the needle. Yeah, I think that if we're putting our energy into the actions, our highest value actions, then it, it comes back to us. Yeah. If we're putting it into things that we don't value, then it's it's what it's basically wasted. Just to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and it, it's kind of the question of how can you. How can you create that, obs not obsessive, you know, because there's more to life, but effectively, like if it's in the context of business, it is a little bit obsessive, you know what I mean? Like it kind of has to be a little bit, um, such that you're almost generating energy from this thing that you double down on uh, versus, ba versus the balance conversation, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think there's balance for us in, like our other pursuits as well, like in our relationships and in uh, Drops of Juniper, your, like the gym business, shout out, you're a part of, or like my workshops and coaching, like there's these other things that kind of uh, are still moving us forward and still sparking that action, even though it's not related, directly related to purpose, I guess. Um, yeah. but they, they all kind of shift back to that enjoyment and the... Uh, yeah. And you know, they, through giving up our resources, bring us you know, enjoyment, challenge, uh, freedom in different, different ways. Um, it's, it's a really interesting topic, the kind of like purpose topic, or the you know, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life kind of thing. Like, mm. find something you love and it'll challenge you to be a better version of yourself. Mm. Um, and I don't, definitely don't think you need to have this like North Star that you're working towards. No. But if you have an awareness or an idea about the direction you want to head, you just head towards that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the crazy, like I felt the flip the other way when I kind of left or sold the businesses. Both times, almost instantly, just like completely down. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Who am I? Like, I'm not turning up at 6 a.m. I'm not doing the programming. My archetype of my identity was just gone. And it's like the floor is ripped from under you. And you know, in, in one way you want to find something real quick, but you got to be patient because it's got to come to you. But I think that um, 
once the new thing's there, it's almost like you sit back and the energy just comes into it as well. It's a really, it's a big piece, I think. I want to ask you guys uh, what's, what you're excited about 2020. I think a lot of the audio is going to be destroyed from the rain. Yeah, so, don't say we go. Yeah. Um, what you're excited about for 2020, we talked about the mentorship a little bit. Um, what else, you know, we're down, we're, we're down on, if you're listening, we're down on Mornington Peninsula, I'll put an introduction on the podcast too. But what else is happening, what are you excited about together? A few. Uh, for me, I'm definitely excited to, uh, I guess, double down on the things that I've been working on you with, John, uh, like with my the coaching and the workshops. I'm um, excited to dive into that a little bit more and kind of... Um, fill my time with things that really light me up uh, like Virtus is a big part of that and I guess creating, helping create the mentorship and building this community uh, not necessarily I guess like size wise because uh, we sort of we're not as exactly seeking growth but I just want to keep this community uh, like growing this feeling of belonging and community and love that this, that this place kind of brings to people. Uh, I'm excited for Sally Ann to finish uni <laughs> and do some exploring with her and um, keep building this connection that I have with people. Yeah. That's, just, that's been one of my big, I guess, uh, things that I've wanted to culminate, cultivate in my life the connection and contribution part and all that kind of helps me grow and push the edges of my capacity Uh, quick shout out if you're listening Simon Simon Cooper.com Simon G Cooper Simon G (laughs) Cooper.com Simon Simon writes a blog daily there's the pressure to keep I know Daily blog, which is really good, um, and he's got some great content, so you can subscribe to that as well. Thanks. He certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> Panic action. Um, what am I excited for? Yeah, I'm excited to be a dad. Yeah. That's uh, almost equally. I'm really excited to see KP, my partner, be a mum. I think she's going to do an incredible job. She's kind of nailed pregnancy so far, so hopefully, just rolls on in after that. But. Yeah, I'm excited to see how my life changes and how my worldview changes. Mm. I guess I feel as though I'm a selfish person in the best kind of ways. Um, I'm very good at doing what I want when I want, and I'm excited to not be the centre of my universe anymore. Um, it's been a pretty, it's been a cool ride the last four years of Virtus with uh, seeing the team, you know, um, grow and and then. Um, shrink a little bit and, and change and see our members you know achieve a lot of the things they set out to achieve and see the community and the the sense of belonging grow over the last four years and um, I'm excited to see what the next next evolution of that looks like mm-hmm. um, whether there's another iteration of it in, in a different way or whether it's we keep tipping into this place um, yeah I'm not sure like from a business perspective what next year looks like but with the re- mentorship relaunching, that's super exciting because we get you know, eight to 10 young coaches and practitioners, or old, um, people that want to learn, yeah. that fit in with our values and, and match up with that. Um, 
I'm excited to see cool people do good, cool things. Yeah. I feel like we could do another episode just on mentor, the mentorship. Yeah. I think because one with a bricks and mortar business is a, there's a spatial constraint. And I think for people listening, if you are opening or creating something bricks and mortar to have something that can also add value in another way, yeah. can be super powerful, especially now. Mm. Um, and you know, especially if you're a leader in the industry and you've got the IP and you're building to teach, I think what you guys looking to do or have even done, put 60 people through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's something we, we've been running for longer than the gym, so. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, cool. This one was in the shed. Yeah, cool. Uh, anything else you is on your mind? Add in questions, whatever. Thanks for coming down. Appreciate yeah. it. Immensely. Good time. Love your work. Thanks. Nice <laughs> what are you excited for? Me? Um, Good question. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for. So so this uh, this is year one of what I've created this year, New Business Access Potential Academy. So I'm excited for you too. I was very fortunate to get to work with people who leaned into the program in year one, tested it, tested me, gave feedback, are giving feedback. We've got another couple of weeks to the end of year event. And so I'm in all in year two. Um, and I've got some big ideas next five years on it. But um, it's that patience and impatience piece. You know, what I'm learning is one thing I keep coming back to, like we were saying before, everything takes a lot longer and you need to be a lot more consistent, work a lot harder, learn to love the process and um, be patient. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, impatience. So start today. Yeah. So it's been a, a great year of learning and I'm excited for the next one. Yeah, good. Cool stuff. Love it. Cool, thanks. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. One of the really cool things that I picked up in this conversation was the really nice energy between Simon and Lockie. So we talked a little bit about culture in here. Lockie mentioned how he really values the high frequency touch points with the staff and with the team. I think there's some lessons in there for all of us. And even if you're just a sole practitioner or doing your own thing, having this time set aside, you know, it might not be a Zoom call with somebody else, but it might just be some time to come back to your own center and to make sure you're sort of, you know, re-energizing yourself and kind of realigning yourself with your vision, with your goals, with wherever you're going. I think it's something that's super powerful. So that was one takeaway that I got. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.